All right, let's get right into the message for today. Let's start this year off in, in, uh, with the Word. How many people think that's a, agree with me? That's a great idea to start off with the Word of God. Amen. Not, uh, matter of fact, last week we did start with the Word of God. If you didn't have the opportunity to be here, the, the message last Sunday is definitely worth your time to go ahead and, and log on and listen to it. Gene Watson had a very timely message, a very encouraging and a challenging message for all of us here at the church. So if you, if you weren't here or you didn't have an opportunity yet or didn't take the opportunity yet to listen to it, I would highly recommend it. So today I'm going to begin a series entitled Supreme, talking about the supremacy of Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And the primary text for this is going to come from the book of Colossians, because Colossians is very, uh, when Paul's letter to the Colossians really deals with the lordship of Jesus Christ, the supremacy of Christ. And so that's where we're going to go. I'm going to read from First Colossians, uh, excuse me, from Colossians chapter 1. I'll begin reading at verse 15, and I'm going to read through uh, verse 23. So if you'll follow along with me, that would be awesome. Colossians Chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. It says, Christ is the invisible image of the invisible... Excuse me, let's start over again. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God who existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Make a note of that. that he's a, he is also supreme over all creation. Verse 16, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Isn't that powerful? He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church. So he's, he's supreme over creation. Now he's also telling us that Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. He made peace. I want you to get that. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So he's supreme over all creation, and he is also supreme over the body of Christ. He is the head. And now listen to verse 21. This includes you, talking about supremacy. The supremacy of Christ. Christ being su supreme over all creation and Christ also being supreme over all who rise from the dead, all, those who, all of us who are born again. He has reconciled us to himself. And verse 21 says, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now. Everyone say now. now. That's right now. That's not tomorrow. That's not some way down. That's not in the future. It's now. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body 
As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are, not will be, you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. So I'm talking about supremacy today. We're going to talk about God being supreme over creation and God being supreme over reconciliation, our, our new birth experience. And we're going to emphasize and we're going to also share with you today why it's important that you continue to believe this truth, not why you continue to do certain things or to work it out yourself, but why you continue to believe the supremacy of Christ in, over creation and the supremacy of Christ over reconciliation. So if you're ready to take this ride with me starting today and the next couple of weeks, say, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Supremacy. The resounding theme in the book of Colossians is the supremacy of Christ. We see that he's supreme over creation. We read the supreme over our life and empowering us to live that life that is holy and blameless and without a single fault because we find out that he is supreme over our lives and that our real life is hidden in Christ. So let's just take just a few moments this morning and talk about him, uh, God being supreme over all creation. God began with creation. If you'll remember reading your Bible in Genesis chapter 1, it begins talking about what? God did what? He created. Very good class. You're a little sleepy, but you got it. God began with all creation, and he will end with all creation, for Christ reigns supreme over the whole universe, over all, and the whole universe is held in his hand. And if Christ is Lord over all creation, then Christ is also Lord over every aspect of human life. This includes, this includes, when I say human life, I'm talking about our, our, our covenant life with God, born again children of God. And this includes our social world. It includes our Christian community, such as we are experiencing this morning. And it also includes our physical environment. Our forgiveness by God is part of God's purpose for the whole cosmos to reconcile all of creation unto himself. God, in reconciling, did not restrict his reconciliation to one segment of creation, human, humans only. The whole creation, we're going to read from Romans. You can pull up those verses in Romans 8, verse 19 through 21. The whole creation groans and longs for the revealing of the sons of God when the world will be brought back to its divinely created and determined order. Romans 8 verse 19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Next verse. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Creation's looking forward to it. Are you looking forward to it? 
Amen. So God is supreme over creation. He's supreme over the cosmos. Did you ever notice that no matter what goes wrong in our culture, what goes wrong in the world, what goes wrong in the environment, that the sun keeps coming up in the east and it keeps going down in the west? I mean, he holds the whole thing together. He, he created it and he upholds it. He keeps it flowing the way it's supposed to flow. He keeps things in movement the way they're supposed to be moving. And there's never any collisions. There's never any failures in it. God is supreme over creation and the earth as we know it. We can see some, we can see the image of God's glory, his goodness, his majesty in the planet earth. That's why we enjoy uh, 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 taking in nature. That's why we enjoy the national parks and so forth, but it's interesting because some of the things we enjoy the most, some of the, uh, take the Grand Canyon and some other peaks and valleys uh, all across our nation, they were created, they, they were formed out of chaos, out of the fall and out of the floods and just different things that happened. So, but yet we see the goodness of God. We can see the glory of God in creation. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying that and celebrating that and, 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 and praising God in that. But nature itself cannot provide for you a clear path to, to you and I coming to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. The path to, to uh, being born again, coming into the fullness of what God intended for us is that new birth experience. And, and so the planet is also going to experience in the end time a new birth experience. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But in the meantime, know that God is Lord over all of creation. We are a part of that. We are in this and God is with us. And so in that we have... Uh, we have responsibilities. We shouldn't just shrug off the idea of being good stewards of the planet. Neither should we be fearful that it's not going to sustain us. It will sustain us. God, as long as we're here, God is here to, and he'll see to it that we have the, what we need to be sustained here on the planet. And so I wanted to share that with you uh, concerning Christ being supreme over all of creation. I might have some more comments on that over the next several weeks, but I just wanted to start with that and, and give you that to think about and to ponder that. Now let's move on to uh, verse 18 of Colossians chapter 1, where it begins talking about how God is supreme in reconciliation. To reconcile means to bring two parties together. They were at odds with one another, but now they're together again. So we are reconciled unto God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And this happened in verse 20. It says, by the means of Christ's blood, the work of reconciliation is the declaration of becoming in right relationship with God or becoming, as the scriptures refer to it, becoming the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. I know it's an older word. It's not used that much in our vocabulary, but it's a word that we should be familiar with. It means that we are in right standing, in right relationship with God. We are what was declared in Colossians, where we read that you are now holy, blameless. Are you ingesting it so far? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you must be talking about my neighbor, right? You are holy, blameless. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about me now. And now we're really talking about you without a single fault. 
Jesus, who is supreme in reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. This is the the word of the Lord. Don't reject this word. Don't reject the idea that I am holy or that we are holy, blameless, and without a single fault. Don't reject that. Are you with me? (laughs) Ponder it. I'm holy. The supreme God, God who is supreme over my salvation, over my life, the supreme God of reconciliation makes the declaration that I am as a result of his shed blood at Calvary's cross, holy, blameless, without a single fault. Reconciled in Christ. And as a a result of this profound reality, there is absolutely nothing we can do, nor is there anything that we need to do to achieve it for ourselves. There is no self-imposed discipline that you can put upon yourself or that a church should be putting upon people. There are no solemn rites or rituals that will make us fuller, more complete members of the body of Christ. Either Christ is supreme in your reconciliation or he's not. Either he's 90% and you need to do 10% or he's 50% and you need to do 50% or he is supreme and he did 100%. I can do nothing nor do I need to do anything because he is perfection. I'm not, so I'm going to accept what he declares about me to be true. So no no self-imposed discipline, solemn rites, rituals will make us any more complete or fuller members of the body of Christ or deliver us more fully from our sin. You are as delivered from your sin as you can be as a result of the supremacy of Christ. And consequently, we do not need to add any religious exercises or observances of any particular days or rituals uh, uh, as, as if such things were a spiritual vitamin that will correct some kind of salvation deficiency. Well, I heard what you said here, and I heard what the Apostle Paul is declaring here in Colossians, but shouldn't I be taking some supplements? It's good to have supplemental vitamins in, in, in your, for your health purposes. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good to be healthy, and it's good to do everything we can to maintain and to steward our bodies and, 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 and to know what type of supplements our, our body needs. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but don't carry that over into your relationship with God, over into the to, to determine how healthy you are, how born again you are. Well, I'm sort of born again, but I need to take this. I'm sort of born again, but I need to do this. No, you are either born again or you're not born again. You're either a child of God or you're not a child of God. And if you are a child of God, you've been declared by the supreme God of reconciliation to be holy, blameless, and without a single fault. Just hold on to it. Don't reject it. Just there. There's no deficiency in Christ. Look at verse 21 again. 
we, you know, the first of 15 through uh, 20 talked about uh, him being supreme over creation and, and supreme over reconciliation. Verse 21, let's just go through these next couple verses here and, and a little bit s- slower. This includes you. Everything I just shared. It includes you who once were far away. I know what you were. I know what I was. But you were once far away. You were his enemies, separated from him by evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, everyone say, yet now. This is, say, this is a new day. It's a new year. I was what I was. And now I am what I am as a result of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. I am what I am. He has reconciled you, all of us, to himself through the death of Christ in Christ's physical body. Are you with me? You believe this? You believe that Christ died on the cross for your sin? Basic elementary truth of being a Christian. You believe it this morning? You really believe it. Yes. All right. Now listen, as written, then it goes on and says, as a result, there were benefits to Christ doing what he did. There's a, there are results to Jesus dying on the cross, shedding his blood on Calvary's cross, being buried, and on the third day being raised from the dead. There are results there are benefits that have come out of that as, as God being supreme over our reconciliation. Yet now, so it included you who once were, and as a result, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. God has brought us into his presence and we can uh, acknowledge him as Lord and Savior of our lives. No deficiency. It includes you. You were who were far from him. Yet now he has reconciled. Then as a result, he has and he has done what? He has reconciled you and declared you and says, and you are holy, blameless, as you stand before him without a single fault, without a single fault. These are absolute truth of the supremacy of the Lord, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Christ is supreme. Colossians, the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae screams it louder than any other letter that the supremacy of, of, of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, here's where, remember I told you you don't be, need, to, need to be taking any supplemental vitamins to make this real, to make it true. But here's something we are to be engaged in to, be, to have this become a reality in my life and in your life, in our lives. Because for the most part, it's not, we don't live it as if it were a reality, we have a greater propensity to see ourselves as we were than, rather than to see ourselves as we are and as we will be. So here's where the instruction comes in at in verse 21. But you must continue to believe this truth. Everything 
we just talked about, beginning at verse 15. You must continue to believe this truth. For some of you today, you might think, well, I've never even believed it. <laughs> but, or others are saying, well, I have believed it, but, you know, I've kind of been wishy-washy in it. I've kind of, you know, I kind of started feeling a little shaky, so I got myself some supplements. I, I started making vows, and I started doing this, and I started doing this, you know, to make sure God's pleased with me. You start getting into works to get God pleased with you, the devil will wear you down. There's not enough you can do when you get into that, when you get into that path. But here's where we want to stay. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Stand firmly in it. What Paul is, when Paul is writing this letter to the church at Colossae, that uh, Christianity is fairly new. It's around 50 A.D. So it's fairly new you know, since Christ was resurrected and ascended into heaven. Christianity was a new religion. And of course, we have the church at Colossae, Epaphras and others were in there as, probably as leaders of the church. But uh, they reached out to Paul because they were having some issues within the church. And what was happening is that... Uh, uh, Gnostics were infiltrating the church with their religion. Uh, there was heresy being taught. There was pagan occultism, occultism, and also just a lot of legalism taking place, which was, it was infiltrating the church at Colossae. So Paul is uh, writing to the church and reminding them, listen, you lived like this. You, you lived like you were living. You lived uh, with this heresy. You lived under pagan occultism and, and legalism and Gnosticism. And, and you, you, you lived in that environment. You lived in that culture. But Christ has been presented to you and you accepted Christ. And this is a reality of having accepted Christ. You are now complete in him. You're holy, blameless, and without a single fault. Do not allow... Do not allow the pagan occultism and heresy and legalism and Gnosticism, don't allow it to come back in and, and, and mess up your mind. But remember, Christianity was very new. And so when the people accepted Christ, but they're living in the culture that they're living in, uh, the peer pressure and, and, and to... Uh, to, to bow back to what they were accustomed to, the legalism, the, the occult and paganism, the, the pressure when things weren't going well, the, the, the peer pressure to just revert back to what they were was very, very strong. It was familiar. And, and the lure to go back to what was familiar and comfortable was very strong. Today, Christianity is not a new religion. It's been around now for over 2,000 years, but we still have the same issue, not because it's new, but because it's old and it's familiar. And we can begin to think and become passive thinking, well, there's got to be more. There's got to be something fresh. Has to be something new. How much newer can you get than holy, blameless, and not a single fault? That's a pretty good used car, is it not? <laughs> you think about it. And so don't allow yourself. And Paul's telling uh, these early believers to continue in this truth, the supremacy of Christ. Stand firmly in it and don't drift away from the assurance you receive. Don't drift away from the assurance that you have been made right with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When you accepted that, 
in your heart and you declare Jesus as Lord of your life, this is a reality. This is a God-given reality based on the supremacy of Christ that you have been made holy, you are righteous, you are blameless, you are without fault. Based on the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, you must continue to believe this truth. Do not be deceived by heresy, by paganism or legalism. Do not go back to it. And that is exactly what Paul is addressing in this letter. Uh, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, if you can pull those two verses, verses up. We're going to get into this more next week, but it says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. It is complete. It's a finished work. Don't let anyone deceive you. Do not allow anyone to deceive you. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies. Paul's basically saying all this heresy and, and paganism and occultism and legalisms and Gnosticism, it all is, it sounds good, it, it sounds favorable, and it sounds enlightening, but he said it, it's empty. Don't fall for it. You stand firm. Don't drift away from the assurance. Everyone say assurance. You have the assurance that Jesus Christ is supreme over your salvation, over your salvation. So praise God for it. He's over your salvation. You are saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. So these scriptures all illustrate that we enjoy a full and complete reconciliation with God in this relationship uh, God's determination of our value is not based on our performance. It's based on his absolute and unconditional love for us. We are reconciled to him not because he decided, just simply decided to overlook our sinfulness, but because through Christ's sacrifice on Calvary's cross, we are forgiven. God hasn't just gone soft on us and decided, well, it doesn't matter. I know they're not living right, but it doesn't matter. I love them, and they're holy. They're blameless. They're without a single fault. God has not done that, and I'm not proclaiming that. I'm saying that as a result of what Jesus has done on my behalf, on your behalf as a substitute. He died on my behalf. God's covenant that, I, that, that we get to enjoy today with us is based on his relationship and his covenant through Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. It's not based on my performance. It's based on the performance of Jesus Christ. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's based on his... It's absolute, unconditional love for us. Not be, and to, to hang on to that. Don't ever give up on that. So I want to ask you a question. What would change or what would your life look like if you lived with the settled conviction, confidence in Christ's supremacy in your reconciliation? What would it look like? How would that transform us? Because here's a reality. Here's a truth. Until what we believe affects how we see ourselves, it is merely intellectual information. You can know all these things intellectually. You can know everything I just shared with you from Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. You can know that. You can memorize that. 
You can have it all intellectually at your disposal. But here's the challenge. You make a decision today that everything that I know intellectually that doesn't feel like it's real and it's not aligning with my life or my lifestyle. The goal is let's get this information from our head down to our heart. It's not a very long journey. It doesn't take long to get from up here down to here. It simply makes, it, and, it, and it happens in a nanosecond by you making the decision, I'm going to believe that. I'm receiving that, and I'm declaring Jesus Christ as supreme over my reconciliation. Practice doing that and continue to do it. And, 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 and when I say practice doing it, this is not to make it so. It is so. It is truth. It is an absolute truth. But it's, it helps to make it become, it helps it to become a reality for you in your life in your life. So until what you and I believe affects how we see ourselves, it's merely intellectual information. Let's get it flowing. I'm going to close with this, Romans chapter 10. Don't get too excited. It's my first closing. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, first three verses. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. This is not only true for the Jewish people, when Paul was writing his, this to the church at Rome, this is also true for us today. We don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. You just heard this morning God's way of making us right with himself, and it's through the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the work of reconciliation at Calvary's cross, his shed blood, we have been forgiven of all of our sin. So he is supreme. So they have enthusiasm, but they have misdirected zeal, and they, have, and they don't have an understanding of God's way. Just as the Jewish people did not have to uh, continue to be stuck there, it says, uh, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself, they also refuse to accept God's way. Don't refuse. You may not understand it all. This may be a lot for you to ingest, but... Take it in, take it in, and begin to just ponder, to meditate on it. Don't resist it. Don't refuse it. Don't, don't be refusing to accept God's way and, and cling to your own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law or whatever other rituals or ordinances or whatever it may be. So don't just read and say, my goodness, those Jewish people were stubborn. You might want to read and say, my goodness, how I've been stuck in my own way. And from now on, I'm going to open up and say, God, I want it to be done your way. I want you to be supreme over my reconciliation. I want you to be supreme over my thought life. I want you to be supreme over everything that I'm believing, everything that I'm thinking, everything that I'm speaking. I want my life to conform to the reality of your supremacy in Jesus' name. Amen.
Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you and we praise you so much this morning for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord God. You're so much bigger than we can comprehend, Lord God, but we are opening ourselves up. We are not going to cling. We're not going to refuse your way of being made right. We open ourselves up to being made right in your way, the way of the cross, the way that you have ordained for us to be reconciled unto yourself. Father, help us to comprehend the, 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 the bigness, the vastness of God, that you are the Lord our God that's able to do beyond what we can even ask or imagine, even the thought of creation, that you are supreme over all of creation, and that you have a plan for, uh, for restoration even of the planet Earth. And while we're here, Lord God, we're meant to be here, and it's a safe place for us to be, and you are here as our sustainer, our provider, our protector. And Father, we turn our hearts toward you this day as we launch into this new year, Father God. We want to just be, have a greater consciousness and an awareness and have all this intellectual information that we have in our brains, all this head knowledge that we have, to have it to become heart knowledge. And, and through that, the transformation process begins to take place in our lives. Thank you, Father. And it begins with acknowledging that Jesus Christ is supreme over our reconciliation. Perhaps you're in here today and you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord, as being supreme over reconciling your life with God. Perhaps you've been going through life, not unlike the people of Colossae or the, the Jewish people that Paul's writing to at Rome and say, well, I'm, I, I hear that and I see that, but I'm refusing that. Uh, I have great zeal for God, but you know, it's, it's, it's misdirected. But I'm refusing, or I have been refusing, but as of today, I want to yield and I want to reconcile. I want my life to be reconciled to God by simply accepting him and saying yes to his supremacy over my heart. If you want God's supremacy over your life and over your heart, well, we're all just in an attitude of prayer, and perhaps you're even watching online, just take a moment right now and Let's just acknowledge that. And for those of you that are here, if you just slip up your hand, because what I want to, the reason I'm asking you to slip up your hand, if you're saying that's speaking to my heart, is that I want to pray over you. Thank you. I see that. Anyone else? I see. Thank you. Put the, thank you. Any others? I want to be included in this prayer. The supremacy of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for reminding us through your word, through the spoken word, and through the written word of the supremacy of Christ concerning reconciliation, being reconciled to you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father God, that the benefits of that are that we are made right with you, holy, blameless, without a single fault. We thank you for it in Jesus' name that you totally and completely forgive us. And those of you that raised your hand, just say, I receive that today. Let's all say it together. I receive it today. In Jesus' name, I declare Jesus Christ supreme over my heart, over my mind, and over my life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.